tonight I want to deal very specifically with guilt. With guilt. And we're going we're gonna to dive into this. And I'm actually, I say this every time, but I'm legitimately actually going to attempt to teach tonight. I know it's funny for some because I'm not, it's not my gifting in any way, shape or form. <laughs> it's, I just listen, I just is what it is. But um, I, I have actual teaching notes. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> but I want to deal with guilt tonight because I really do believe that there are believers and unbelievers alike that are bound up with guilt. And they're bound up with shame. And the, and the reality, the cold reality of guilt is that um, it, it will hold you back. Um, there are precious, precious believers who really, really do love the Lord. And they just stay in the same place. And it just seems like they just can't get past the area that they're at. They can't seem to grow or mature or go deeper into the things of the Lord or grow in their discipleship or whatever it may be. And oftentimes we see it's guilt and shame that holds them back. There, there is a strategy of the enemy to hold the, the, the church at large from stepping into the fullness and the purpose and the calling that is upon their lives because of guilt and shame. Whether it's true guilt or false guilt. Because true guilt can be used by the Lord to bring conviction and cause change within our lives. If, if I do something wrong, I would hope that I would feel guilty. If I don't, we need to have another conversation. Okay, let's, amen? True guilt. True guilt is the fact of being at fault or committing an offense. We're all good with that so far. True guilt is the result of any wrong attitude or action that is contrary to the perfect will of God. So far, we're okay. In Hebrew, the word asham, which is the word guilt, paints a three-dimensional picture of doing wrong, deserving punishment, and demanding penalty so that fellowship with God can be restored. And this is the, the whole heart of this whole message tonight. If we, if we feel guilty about something, it should bring about repentance in our life and should cause a restoration of our relationship back with the Father. And that's true guilt. And I think all of us will experience it at some point in our walk as a believer. There's a difference between experiencing it, though, and being bound by it. I, I like to use this as an example oftentimes when we talk about deliverance, and oftentimes we can get, get so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good, and we get so spiritually-minded that everything around every corner is a demon. <laughs> and sometimes we just had a bad day. I, I like calling things demons. Don't, don't, listen, don't misunderstand me. I'm as crazy, charismatic, Pentecostal, whatever label you want to put at me. I'll shout at demons. My neighbors think I'm absolutely insane. The, the windows rattle at how I get after it. I'll, I'll show up to youth on a Friday night, and I, my voice is already gone. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm on that side of the fence. I'm with you. I, I'm with the spooky spiritual side of things. But we can't negate the reality of sometimes we just have a bad day. You know, if you accidentally, you know, hit your mailbox on the way out of your driveway on your way to work, you kind of started off on the wrong foot. It doesn't mean that there's a devil after you. But false guilt 
is very much a strategy of the enemy. Watch this. False guilt is self-condemning feelings. Self-condemning. Everybody say self-condemning. Self-condemning feelings that you have not lived up to your own expectations or the expectations of others. You know, my child is going to be the next neurosurgeon. And they flunk out of community college, and now all of a sudden our child is wrapped up with guilt because they didn't follow through with the expectations or even the, 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 the expectations that we set the bar a little too high on them. <laughs> you know, I, you know I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a millionaire by 35 and retire, and now I'm, you know, 42. I'm not. This is an example but now you're 42 and you're in debt up to your eyeballs and you're nowhere near being a millionaire nor being retired. And now all of a sudden you eat yourself up with self-guilt, false guilt, because you didn't meet your own expectations. The reality is it's really easy to point the finger and, 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 and have this guilt because somebody else put an expectation on you that was out of reach. But I think more often than not, we don't hit our own expectations and that can breed false guilt within our lives. Why can't we just get to a place to where we're happy at where God has got us and enjoy the process, even in the pain? <laughs> you know, we got to endure the pruning because the pruning's a good thing. Are, are you with me? And sometimes the process doesn't look the way that I wanted it to, but if, as long as it's within the will of God, I said this the other day, I am not willing to be out of the will of God. I've come to a place in my life, whether I like it or not, whether it's, it's the decision that I want or not, trust me, I have really been tested in this area recently. Whether it's what I want to do or not, I'm not willing to be outside of the will of God. I'm just not. I'm just not. That's just where I'm at in my walk right now. Is that all right? Self-condemning feelings that you have not lived up to your own expectations or the expectations of others. Watch this. False guilt is when you blame yourself even though you've committed no wrong. Oh, come on. Somebody's going to get set free in this place tonight. Let's talk. I said I was supposed to teach and, te I'm, you know, that requires me to stay up there, but I'm coming down here for just a minute. Let me talk to the first responders for just a minute. False guilt where you feel guilty for something that you had no control over. Where are my nurses at? And the traumatic things that you guys see on a day-to-day -day basis. And our, our local cops and the things that you guys see on a day-to-day -day basis. And our military members, male and female. And the things that you see, the atrocities that you see on a day-to-day -day basis. And you're ate up with guilt because you believe that if you'd have been there just one second sooner. If you'd have said something just the right way. If you'd have done something just a little bit different. Somebody else would still be here with us today. Come on, that's false guilt. Listen, you deserve to be free. Oh, I feel it in my soul tonight. Somebody's going to get set free from this. False guilt is, is operating when you have done a wrong. Watch this. And you've repented from this wrongdoing, confessed and repented, and you still feel guilty. Do you believe the word? Jeremiah 31 and 34. Can we put it up on the screen for me for just a second? 
Jeremiah 31 and 34 says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. For the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember forever and ever and ever for the rest of my life. What does it say? No more. He will forgive you and he will not remember your sin anymore. The God that I serve keeps no records of wrongs because he loves. Come on, we got to get rid of this guilt thing. Come on, I want to see believers walking in the freedom of the Lord. False guilt will keep you in bondage to three destructive masters. Shame, fear, and anger. And watch this. Confession will not bring deliverance from false guilt. That's why for some of you that have confessed over and over and over again, and you have repented over and over and over again, and you don't ever feel the release from this guilt, is because you're wrapped up in false guilt, not true guilt. Because you cannot confess from false guilt because false guilt is wrapped up in a lie. It's false. It's not reality. It's not real. So how can you confess for something you didn't do? That means there's got to be a mind shift because the battlefield is up here. So true guilt, you can confess and you can get right with God and there'll be a release that'll come. There'll be a mercy and a grace that is poured out for you. But if you've been in that situation where you have repented and repented and confessed and confessed and you go before the Lord in sackcloth and ashes and you don't see any breakthrough, maybe it's false guilt. Revelation 12 and 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. I ask you if you have repented over and over and over again. You have confessed and you're not seeing a breakthrough with this guilt. Who is it that you're listening to? My God doesn't remember your sin after you've confessed and turned away from it. My God doesn't remember. He doesn't keep a, a, a record of wrong. So if that's true and I believe his word, what voice are you hearing? Oh, come on. This is a strategy of the enemy. And he'll come in and try to convince you that it's the voice of God. Oh, this is going to set somebody free tonight. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to teach. Here we go. Three strategies of the enemy to hold you within guilt. Watch this. He'll bring up your past. He reminds you of your past failures, and he makes you feel, oh, the word feel. I'm all in my feelings. We walk by faith, not by, we shouldn't walk by our feelings. Our feelings will, will lead us astray. So he brings up the past, the enemy does. He reminds us of our past failures, and he will watch us. He will make you feel unforgiven and unaccepted by God. And a believer that feels unforgiven and unaccepted is already a defeated Christian right out the gate. Any less saved? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But when you walk around defeated and you feel unforgiven and unaccepted by God, how can you walk as a co-heir? How can you walk as a co-laborer? How can you walk as a, as a king's baby? I mean, I got all of heaven behind me. But if I believe that I'm unaccepted and unforgiven, then I don't believe that all of heaven is behind me. 
So it changes our mindset. It changes our perception. It changes the way that we carry ourselves as believers. Are you with me? John 8 and 44. Watch this. He says that you are the father of the devil. Not you. We're talking about the devil. You are the father of the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. In order to be a father, you have to have offspring. That means he's breeding lies. He's got offspring, little liars running around, and he's the accuser of the brethren. So what voice are you listening to? Have you confessed? Have you turned? Have you repented? If you have, why are you still bound up in guilt and shame? Is the blood of Jesus not good enough for you? I know that sounds aggressive and and real in your face, but it's the reality. It's good enough. I promise you it's good enough. We're going to get more into it in a little bit. We're going to talk about some people tonight that I promise you, it, if it was good enough for him, it's definitely good enough for me. Shame. Let's talk about shame for just a moment because we get shame and guilt mixed up. Is this okay? I'm really doing my best to teach tonight instead of preach. Is this all right? It's a little different. Listen, I like Shondai, Shondai, and jump around and shout, and we'll stomp on the devil's head, but every once in a while, I got to do things that make me uncomfortable. (laughs) Shame is birthed by guilt. Shame is an offspring of guilt. Judas was ate up with shame because of his guilt, and that hovers over him because of his betrayal to Jesus. You can recount this in Matthew 27. For time's sake, I'm not going to read it, but I encourage you to. He was remorseful, and he hanged himself for betraying Jesus. So we see a response to guilt and shame in a negative connotation. Somebody say, my response is everything. Psalm 44 and 15 says, my dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me up. When I come before the Lord in worship and in prayer, I want to come before him boldly, as the word says that we should. And shame and guilt will keep you in that place of feeling less than, feeling lowly, and not good enough to come before him as a son or a daughter. Watch this. Guilt and shame are definitely not the same. Guilt always focuses on what we have done, but yet shame focuses on who we are. In my personal opinion, I feel like shame is significantly more dangerous because shame deals with identity. Guilt deals with actions. Is everybody with me tonight? So guilt focuses on what you have done and the wrongs that you have done, but yet shame deals with rather who you are. So shame is more of an identity word. And anytime the enemy begins to attack identity, it begins to attack who you are. And when you begin to question your identity, you have no power as a believer. Shame is a powerful emotion of disgrace caused by a sense of guilt. 
And it's experienced when guilt moves from knowing that we did something bad to an intense feeling that we are bad. It focuses more on who we are rather than what we've done. Listen, a good thing can do a bad thing and God still use it. But a bad thing doing a bad thing is just a bad thing. Okay, right, let me break that down for just a minute because we got to catch this. We got to catch this. Shame attacks your identity. Shame tells you that you are bad. Guilt says that you did bad. An apple tree can produce a good apple. Good old honey crisp. It's beautiful. It's tasty. It's amazing in all of its ways. And on a crisp fall day, I walk under the honey crisp apple tree and the old apple releases from the tree and bonks me in the head on the way down and I get a bit of a headache. It's a good thing and it did a bad thing. Come on, help me tonight. So a good fruit, a good noun did a bad verb. The good thing hit the pastor. How many of you know, though, after I get over my headache and the bump on my head, I can pick that same good thing that did a bad thing and pick it up and I can enjoy the fruit because a good thing that does a bad thing is still usable. But a bad apple that falls from a bad tree and hits me is just a... Come on, somebody catch that. Somebody's going to get set free from that tonight because there's a lot of people that are really good people and unfortunately got wrapped up in some bad stuff. And because they got wrapped up in a bad thing, all of a sudden they think they're a bad thing. Oh, Lord, come on. Help me teach this tonight, God. See, I believe most Christians are actually good things that just did a bad thing. They're a good noun and they did a bad verb. But because of the bad verb, the devil comes in like a lion seeking whom he can devour and he convinces the good, ver the good noun that they're now a bad noun because of a bad verb. Am I confusing everybody? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Come on, we got some good apples in the house. Amen? And maybe you did a bad thing. Maybe you hurt somebody along the way, but guess what? God will still use you. I'm so sorry I fell out of the tree and hit you. Just so long as the apple is remorseful and repentant, we can enjoy the apple. If it's not, we burn it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, all right. Come on, help me tonight, guys. Shame will cause you to feel defective to the core, unworthy, and it will constantly wrap you in a fear of rejection. Because you're not good enough. Again, shame always attacks your identity. All right. That's the hard part of the whole night. Now let's get to the good part. When we respond to trials correctly, God always replaces shame with hope. Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We could spend a whole night right there, but we won't. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Guilt concealed is harmful. But guilt confessed is always met with mercy. Let me talk to the stuffers tonight. <laughs> Let me talk to the men. Let's just be real. Because women, and I'm not picking on you. I love you. I really do. 
women don't have an issue coming to the altar and snotting up the altar. But for some reason, come on, I'm a man. I, I can own up to this. We got a hard, hard time letting it go. I got it. I can handle it. Don't make me sing Elsa in here. Are you, are you with me? Let it go. <laughs> the other half of the everybody just got the joke. Yeah, right there. Come on. Let it go. Guilt concealed, hidden, will always cause problems. And men, we like to stuff it and act like everything's okay. And we have this outer exterior shell of toughness and maturity. And I'm a man's man and I got this and I can carry it. But on the inside, we're dying and crying and we can't seem to get past it. And we don't understand why our wife all of a sudden becomes the high priest of our home instead of us. Because we can't seem to grow because we're not willing to just get it out and move on. Guilt concealed is always harmful, but guilt confessed is always met with mercy. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Watch this. If you struggle in the area of shame and guilt, and it's true shame and guilt, acknowledgement and confession will bring healing and forgiveness. Psalm 32 and 5, and this is King David who wrote this. It says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I didn't cover it. I didn't, I didn't hide it. I didn't try to conceal it. I just bared my heart before you, God. I just got real, real with you, and I called, you, I called my own issue and my own sin and my own transgression. I called it what you call it. I didn't try to justify it and said it's because of culture. I didn't try to justify it and, 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 and balance it out because I'm a man or because of X, Y, or Z. I just called it exactly what you call it. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now, I believe most everybody in this room probably knows what I'm about to say, but on the off chance somebody doesn't, it would be very irresponsible for me not to share this. Guilt is only truly cleansed because of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. That is the only place that you are going to find true freedom, true happiness, true joy, true prosperity, true life. It is only found because of the sacrificial blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Are you with me tonight? Hebrews 10 and verse 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no con consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering 
you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, you had no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. And then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And he takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Come on. The blood is good enough for you. Come on, let me talk to somebody tonight. The blood is good enough for you. It's good enough for us all. When we allow God to wash us of our guilt, it naturally brings us into a closer relationship with God. Hebrews 10 and 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil and evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I'm going to say this next thing, and I have it as a bullet point. And you got to hear my heart on this. But if your faith in God is increasing, the feelings of guilt within your life, there's a very good chance that you have a legalistic, rule-based walk with Christ. I'm going to say it again. If faith in God is increasing the guilt in your life, there's a very good possibility that you have a legalistic, rule-based walk with Christ. Because a legalistic, rule-based walk with Christ says that when I make a mistake, he's keeping a tab on me. Rather than when I make a mistake, there's grace for me. Don't misunderstand me. We're not talking misusing grace and hyper-grace and it's a license to sin. That Grace teaches us to sin. We're past that. Amen. Now, not always, because the reality is, is true guilt will cause us to turn. It will cause us to draw closer to God. And if we've just gotten saved and just our faith has just started, I'm sure there will be some guilt there to some extent, but don't stay in it. What I'm saying is if you've lived for years and years and years, I don't, I don't want to make anyone misunderstand me on this. If we've lived years and years and years and you cannot get over a specific area of guilt, there's a very real possibility that there's a legalistic, rule-based walk with Christ rather than a life-giving one where he says, I'm here and my arms are wide open. Where when you go to prayer and you remind him of that thing that you did 10 years ago and he says, what are you talking about? Why are you reminding me of something I already forgot about? (laughs) Amen. Psalm 103 verses 11 through 12. It says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. I don't know about you, but east to west is pretty big. I stand to my original statement, the blood's good enough for you. David's response to guilt with Bathsheba 
and Uriah, I think, is one of the most beautiful, and this is probably where we'll end off tonight. I think it's the most beautiful representation of how we should respond to guilt and shame. And just to get everybody caught up, if you're not familiar with David and Bathsheba, David, the word says that at the time the kings were supposed to be at war, David was on the pavilion of his house and he saw Bathsheba. Now we could stay the whole night right there. For those of you who know me personally, I like kicking devil butt and talking about, you know, battlefield type stuff. And there's a whole sermon right there. And the time that kings were supposed to be at war and oftentimes instead of being at war, we're on the pavilion. <laughs> another story for another day. Anyways, so, so, so David was not where he was supposed to be at a set time. And there was a temptation that came to him and Bathsheba was very beautiful and he took her and they had their way and all of a sudden there's a bun in the oven. And I'm, I'm giving you the Mike Cornell version of the Bible. And, and so David starts to panic and David says, right, so this is like my best friend's wife. So let me bring him in off the battlefield and get him real drunk and send him home with his wife and maybe they'll, and we can blame the bun in the oven on them. But Uriah, even coming home, is so loyal, says, no, far be it, I need to be on the field. I need to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a delegated soldier in your army and goes back out to war. And David goes, darn. So the next logical thing, of course, instead of just repenting and getting it open and saying, listen, I made a really big boo-boo, was to put him at the front of the battlefield in the most intense part of the battle and make sure that he gets killed. <laughs> it's really quiet. So he, he slept with his best friend's wife and then like kind of somehow manipulated the death of him so that he could cover up and hide this thing that he did wrong. And then, you know, the prophet Nathan comes along and exposes it all, and then we get to where we're at right now. Okay, so we're all caught up on that. Now, the big thing tonight is not focusing on what they did wrong, because here's the reality, is, is this, that's pretty intense, right? I mean, that's Jerry Springer stuff, let's be honest. Or, or the... No. Okay. All right. My wife's saying, don't go any further with it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you, babe. Um, it's not good, but I don't want to focus so much on what he did wrong. I want to rather focus on his response because that's, what's going to give us freedom in this place tonight, because God always responds to a response. And the way that we respond is so important because Judas responded one way and ended up one way, but David's about to respond completely contrary to the way that Judas did. Psalm 51 and verse 1, it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. He just gets real, real with God and calls it what it is. He doesn't blame it on Bathsheba's beauty. 
She shouldn't have been outside God bathing in that tub. She shouldn't have been. She should have put a wall up. He called it what it is. Me and me alone. I, ha, I it, This is a me problem. I messed this up. I did it wrong. Are you with me tonight? Guilt will always create a wall between you and God. If there's a wall between me and my wife, big concrete wall right here, just, you know, use your imagination with me tonight, and let's just say there's a 15-foot concrete wall between me and her. I'm really close to her, am I not? Or we're like maybe six feet away. Are you with me? I use illustrations. I'm sorry. I know it's strange, but it's just kind of how I do things. We're still close, but yet our intimacy is going to be badly damaged. I'm trying not to get too personal with this. Let, let's, let's take it on a platonic level, okay? If there's a 15-foot concrete wall right here, in order for me and her to have a conversation, the wall is in between us, and we're going to have to yell and scream back and forth at each other, and there's going to be a lot of huhs and ahs and what was that in order to communicate our messages back and forth correctly. But if the wall is broke down, I can just whisper. If the wall isn't there, I can, I can get really close to her. I'm just holding her hand. Don't, listen, are, are you with me? All of a sudden, intimacy can be restored back in. And, and listen, intimacy isn't something that should be weird within the church. God talks about it all the time. We're the bride of Christ. Is that okay? We're meant to have intimacy with the Father. Don't get weird and wonderful about it, but intimacy speaks of passion. Intimacy, I can tell things to my wife that I can't tell anybody else. I can have conversations with her and bear my heart before her and never feel judged. Oh, that ought to set somebody free right there. And if you don't have that relationship with your wife, come to the marriage conference next year. Okay, let's get back to the... She's my best friend. I don't know about you, but I couldn't make it without her. Listen, that wall is formed because of guilt. And it kills intimacy, it kills intimate personal conversation, and your communion with them, although it's still possible, it's difficult. And it's not meant to be. We gotta break the walls down. So, what do we do? Let's look at David's response. Here's his response in Psalm 51 Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Oh, man, oh, man. Lord, what are you doing right now? Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, it's not in this Bible, it's in my other Bible. It's okay, I'm just going to quote it, and you guys are going to be all right with that. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, he says that, that to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
True guilt will bring us to repentance and cause a change within our life, but false guilt, remember, you can't just confess and get over it. (laughs) Renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, this is a big part of it because for some people, they need to just repent and turn away from it, get it out, confess it, get right with God and just get real with him and turn away from it and run to God with everything inside of you. And that guilt's going to go like this. But for some, for some, it's going to cause and need a renewing of the mind. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew me from the spirit of my mind. I beseech thee, therefore, Brethren, Romans 12, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy in your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the image of the world, but yet be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let that guilt go and realize who is talking to you. Okay, I'm not preaching. We're we're teaching. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit and then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted to you. Oh, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I think David's about to have a real testimony moment here, and we're all about to learn from it. How many of you know that this scripture is still alive today because he's still teaching transgressors their ways, and sinners will be converted to him because of this thing right here. He says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Oh God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh Lord, open my lips. We could talk about that for a little bit. God responds to a response. Ultimately, it's a heart posture, but open your mouth and get it out. There's power in releasing it. Can I get an amen? There's power in praise and there's power in worship. My mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering, and the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Spiritual brokenness does not devalue something. In order to get a perfume or a cologne out of a bottle, the bottle, the seal, has to be broken. And that bottle has absolutely no value until it's broken. Because once it's broken, the contents get poured out. Are you with me tonight? We get so afraid of brokenness before God, but yet the word says that he doesn't despise a broken and a contrite heart. Lay the reputation down. Lay it down and just get real with God. Bear your heart before him and let that forgiveness and that love begin to flood you and fill you and change you. He's touching people even right now. Even right now. A broken spirit, a contrite spirit is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Let me wrap it up with this and then... And then Let's just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. My last three points. 
as we step forward, there needs to be a new purpose in our lives. And that new purpose, if you've been wrapped up in guilt, true or false, that new purpose is to be conformed into the image of Christ. Romans 8 and 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined us to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We have a new priority, and that's to change our thinking. Romans 12, like I've already said, in Acts 24 and 16, it says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. And our new plan is to walk in Christ's strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. If you don't mind for just a moment with every eye closed, I'm going to make one call tonight. But the time has come where, where we got to get rid of the guilt. The devil is a liar. John 10.10 10 declares that the thief only comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And I want to see you walk in purpose, in wholeness. I want to see you walk being rooted and grounded in love. And if you're in this place tonight and you say, I have been wrapped up with guilt, whether it's true or whether it's false guilt, but I have been wrapped up in guilt and shame and I want to get set free from it tonight, I want you to come to the front and we want to just pray for you this evening. I believe that there's going to be true freedom in this place tonight. If that's you, you can come forward right now. Don't wait. Maybe it's with your job. Maybe it's with situations that have been going on. Maybe it's because of, of people or expe unreal expectations. Come on, the blood is good enough for you. You don't need to hold on to that guilt anymore. There is forgiveness, there is freedom. ask the, some of the pastors to come up, the zone leaders. Just take a moment as people making their way forward. We want to minister with you tonight. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that your blood is good enough. God, I, Jesus, I thank you for that precious blood. I thank you, Lord, that you've saved us. I thank you, Lord, that you made a way. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name that all guilt would be dealt with in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus. Father, that those that come up and they respond to this call tonight, Lord, that they would never be the same. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that your love would be poured out upon them in a mighty and a profound way, God that your true love, your undivided love, Father, would come upon them in a mighty and a manifest way, Lord, that it would deal with guilt right from the very core and right from the very root. Father, I give you the praise. I give you all the honor and I give you all the glory. Lord, I thank you, Father, for freedom in this place tonight. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen and amen. If you guys could help me to pray.
just want to pray right now for those that are tuning in online. I don't know if there's anybody watching online, but I just, I pray for you right now, for every person tuning in. I pray for every first responder. I pray for everybody within the military, nurses and doctors. I pray for those who have maybe felt guilt because of the loss of an individual and this guilt that has gripped you and kept you awake and not allowed you to get true rest and true joy and salvation and and walking and stepping further in the things of God. I pray for you this night in Jesus' name that that guilt would go, that that guilt would be broken right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for restoration to your heart right now in Jesus' mighty and precious name. I don't know who you are or where you're tuning in from, but wherever you're at, just stretch your hand out toward the, the, the screen right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch them right now in Jesus name let healing come to them right now in Jesus name in Jesus name that guilt that has gripped you I pray that it would be loosed right now in the name of Jesus complete restoration and healing it's yours in Jesus name and we give you the praise the honor and the glory father I thank you tonight I thank you for your freedom and I thank you that you're moving Lord, we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Bless your people, Father, and bring us back tomorrow. We give you the praise. We give you the honor, and we give you the glory. Let the joy of the Lord be their portion, and the peace that surpasses all understanding go before them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic evening, and we will see you tomorrow.